When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. Back again, it's Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. Today's guest on Talk of Champions. Former Ole Miss offensive lineman Sean Rawlings. Also got to talk some Eli Manning. He retired, or is going to retire, on Friday. And some Ole Miss basketball news. They're spiraling. Six losses in a row. And a big recruiting weekend coming up this weekend. Colin, what's up, man? Not much. Not much. Did it did it hit you as like it did me when Eli retired? It's like, oh, wow, I am that old now. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts about Eli. But first, before we really get going here... Let me tell you about Impact by Ironwood and Sola, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolmus.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the Southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings, and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. So check them out. The website is solaoxford.com or give them a call at 662-238-3500. Also remember to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, using the at solaoxfordms on all platforms. Sola in Oxford, on the Oxford Square. 
I'm a Cowboys fan. So my relationship to Eli professionally yeah. is a very complicated one. <laughs> Everybody knows my history at this point. I grew up an Ole Miss fan, going to Ole Miss games. I was there back when they held Meet the Rebels on the field of Vaught Hemingway Stadium when he came in as a freshman. And I'm a kid. I can't remember how old I was. But my dad said, hey, go get his autograph. He's the next big thing. And so we ran over to Eli Manning. And you got to remember, this was a team that had Romero Miller, Deuce McAllister, and yeah. nobody had a bigger crowd than Eli Manning. And he stood there with just hundreds and hundreds of Ole Miss fans constantly surrounding him and signed everything. So I go from that moment that I remember vividly to now the day in which he retires from the NFL. And we could get into the regular debate out there about whether or not Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. Full stop, two-time Super Bowl winner, two-time yeah. Super Bowl MVP. He's a Hall of Famer. There are guys in the NFL Hall of Fame right now that have far um, less accomplished resumes than Eli Manning. He's a Hall of Famer. And this comes from a Cowboys fan. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> but yes, I did feel old. It hit me like a ton of bricks. And my wife looked over at me and she goes, what happened? Because I let out an audible, oh, wow, when I saw it. Even though I think we all knew it was coming. Yeah. I let out an audible, oh, wow. And she goes, what, what, what? I went, Eli retired. Of course, her <laughs> response was, oh, okay. <laughs> but in our little sports bubble, that's a big moment for Ole Miss fans yeah. and Ole Miss people in general, because now I'm in a different place. I cover Ole Miss for a living. It's much different. Back then, Eli was everything. Now I come from the perspective of, gosh, look where my life is. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my first game, I believe it was Murray State, uh, was Eli's first game, the first time I ever went to Vault Hemingway Stadium. Um, so, that was that was kind of cool to get to to see his first start as my first game and to to realize I guess eighteen almost eighteen and a half years later that uh it's kind of coming full circle and he's retiring uh yeah it makes you feel old man it makes you feel old what do you think Eli does now you, he doesn't strike me as the guy that like gets into coaching and does that type of thing he might do some in studio work for a major okay. sports yeah. broadcasting system but I figure he'll probably just go live that dad life because that's Eli yeah, I do that's Eli. Yeah, But I, I think the world of Eli Manning, I grew up with him. He's effectively my age. <laughs> I just remember everything about his career. I remember that Murray State win when he debuted. I remember him coming back against West Virginia in the Music City yes. Bowl when Ole Miss was getting destroyed. And here comes Eli. And he was the entire future. And he almost brought Ole Miss back. I was sitting there on the 50-yard line. When Travis Johnson took that interception against LSU in for a touchdown, I thought, this is the moment. This is the time. Yep. Ole Miss is going to Atlanta. This is the best Ole Miss team ever. And I was on the same 50-yard line seat when Doug Buckle stepped on Eli's foot. <laughs> I remember all of it. I was there in Dallas for the Cotton Bowl, in the old Cotton Bowl Stadium, when Eli led them to a Cotton Bowl win. And I remember sitting in the car with my dad and my brothers, listening on the radio, to the Heisman vote or the Heisman announcement ceremony when he lost to Jason White, which to me, easily one of the most egregious Heisman votes ever. Yeah. If it was Larry Fitzgerald, you could swallow it a little better, right? He deserved it over everybody. But here's the thing. If you take Jason White off of Oklahoma and put any competent quarterback in there, they're still going to win. That yeah. team was so good. Now, they went 12-2, and two, lost their last two games, got whipped by Kansas State, yeah. And then got beat like a drum by LSU. Well, not by a drum, but it was 21-14. to 14. They were never really in that game. And this was the same Jason White 
who had a first-rounder in Mark Clayton at wide receiver, a second-rounder in Mark Bradley, and a third-rounder in Brandon Jones. And Eli, if you take him off that Ole Miss team, look at what they became. Essentially, <laughs> same team the next year went 4-7. and seven. Yeah. yeah. He made Chris Collins almost into a 1,000-yard single-season receiver. And when that team lost Eli, they won four games, and David Cutcliffe lost his job. He basically tried to make Eli Manning light out of Ethan Flat, and everyone saw how that went. <laughs> yeah, Eli's uh, best receiver was his backup quarterback. So it was a team that was not uh, not great at the skill positions outside of Eli. I can't, who was the, was Joe Gunn the running back? No, 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 no. Tremaine Gunn Turner, Vashawn Pearson. And here's the thing about that team. It's the same thing as with the MVP in Major League Baseball. Everyone wants to hold team overall results against particular players, which is asinine. Yes. Of course, A-Rod should have won the MVP, even though the Rangers were the last place team. It's not his fault that the guys around him are bad. You've got to look at these players for the seasons that they had. Now, by statistical measure, Eli fell short of Jason White. But he led the SEC in passing yards per game. He took Ole Miss to 10 wins. And yes, Ole Miss lost to Memphis. Yes, Ole Miss lost to Texas Tech and then to LSU. But it wasn't Eli's fault. That gets yeah. held against him. And it makes no sense to me. Had they won the SEC championship, does Eli win it then? Great question. Because um, I think they probably do win the SEC championship if, if they beat LSU that day. Um, and you would have to think or hope so. Um, but, you know, you look back on it and it's a situation where – it feels like they just voted for the guy that put up the best numbers. Whereas, you know, you got Eli Manning out here with his best receivers who Bill Flowers or Chris Collins, Chris Collins, uh, Bill Flowers, Mike Espy, Tay Biddle, Tay Biddle, who yeah. dropped the pass against Memphis. Mike Espy became an NFL wide receiver. He did. Yeah, he did. He Tay did. Biddle yeah. got a cup of coffee in the NFL. Bill Flowers, he went on to live his life, but Chris Collins <laughs> disappeared. And that was all Eli creating all league caliber wide receivers out of a group that was talented, but wasn't what Jason White had at wide receiver. And the running back comparison is laughable. And that's the thing when and people do the Kelly, the Chad Kelly versus Eli thing. And I get it. Uh, you know, Chad Kelly had Laquan Treadwell and Evan Ingram and Demore Stringfellow out there uh, catching passes. So it's not an apples to apples comparison. Obviously the, the game's different now than it was, you know, 15, 2015 versus 2013. Completely different. Can you name Eli's tight end in the Cotton Bowl year? Ooh. Um, this, that was the Ziegler? No. No? Eric Rice, Lawrence Lilly. Lawrence Lilly, I do remember him. This is what he had at his disposal. He made Kerry Johnson a 400-yard receiver. And Kerry Johnson was perfectly competent, but he wasn't Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> He wasn't Cody Core. Yeah. 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 Eli did everything for that team almost single handedly, pretty much single handedly, carried Ole Miss to 10 wins, and he won the Maxwell. That's one time in my life, in my sports life, that I just haven't gotten over it. Only a number of times in your life, in your sports life, do you have those moments that just stick with you and you don't forget them? They're yeah. Like seared into your brain. That's one. The infield fly against the Braves. I was that. Yeah. That's still there. Tony Romo yeah. fumbling the snap against the Seahawks. These are the moments. Eli not winning the Heisman is one of them. And you would think it would be not beating LSU. But quite frankly, LSU was an undefeated team in the SEC, one of the best teams in the country. Okay, they lost, but that wasn't Eli's fault. No. For me, 
Eli deserved the Heisman, always will. But at the end of his career now, those two Super Bowl wins, two Super Bowl MVPs, he got the last laugh. Yeah. It's sweet uh, redemption. <laughs> Jason White became a dentist, though. So that's good. Good for him. That's awesome. Had yeah. no business winning the Heisman. None. <laughs> honestly, honestly, Larry Fitzgerald deserved to win the Heisman. I'll follow that. Because uh, if you'd have taken Larry Fitzgerald off of Pittsburgh, same deal. But Jason oh. White? No. No. <laughs> oh, me. Um, you know, what gets forgotten about that LSU game is if uh, Nichols hadn't broke his foot, I guess it was, I don't know. Jonathan Nichols. Yeah, missed, missed two field goals that he never misses because he had a broke foot. I That's can't the Lou Groza award winner right there. And I'm going to get Jonathan Nichols on this podcast. Because someone said to me on Twitter yesterday when the news came down and I made the comment about Jason White that Jonathan Nichols is a dentist now, one of the nicest people in the world, yes. and he still just can't bring himself to talk about those missed kicks. I have to ask him. I want to know. But here's the thing about Jonathan Nichols. He made a 54-yard field goal or something like that against Vanderbilt. I mean, the dude was unbelievable. Yes. It's just unfortunate that in that game, he missed two kicks that he always makes. But that's very yeah. old Miss. I don't hold that against him. That's the old Miss curse. <laughs> If fourth and 25 doesn't happen, Ole Miss goes to Atlanta and probably makes the college football playoff. Ooh, that's a good game. What's the most anti-Ole Miss thing that Ole Miss has done that you can think of? Oh, gosh. Like, oh, yeah. easily Omaha. Omaha. Omaha? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now it came back full circle and became we are Ole Miss again against Arkansas. And it's not just that they lost against Arkansas. It's how they lost. It was over quickly. <laughs> You kind of prefer that, though, right? Because they, they've lost some excruciating game threes. And, you know, at least this one you were done by the third inning. And you were grilling a steak if you wanted to. Yeah, but going out like that. It was bad. Leaves such a bad taste in the mouth of Ole Miss fans that it builds a narrative or fuels a narrative that was already there. You'd rather lose and lose big so you don't have to worry about it and not get your feelings hurt. But when you do lose like that, and your Mike Bianco doesn't help the narrative, so no. Omaha would have to be up there. Most certainly have to be up there. Is the uh, SEC basketball championship where, you know, you go into that yes. thing with AK's job on the line, that's pretty anti-Ole Miss. He was going to get fired. I was going to ask, if, if he loses in Missouri that night, he doesn't get the next year, does he? No. I saw the yeah. list of coaches that were being considered. At the top <laughs> of that list, Buzz Williams. Oh, Then at Marquette. That. Yeah. That was happening. So to make that run, that was certainly anti-We Are Ole Miss. And the way they did it. But then that same team goes to the NCAA tournament. And with the chance to match the greatest accomplishment in Ole Miss basketball history, making the Sweet 16, they lose to LaSalle. And the path was right there to the Elite Eight. Yeah. And they lost to LaSalle because Reggie Buckner couldn't make the block that he made all year. I tell you, we are Ole Miss moment that, that gets forgotten is uh, Snoop Fallon, old buddy, in the uh, SEC tournament that year that almost got him knocked out of the tournament. <laughs> that's he right. forget that one. Oh, that's right. It's either Omaha or the basketball championship. Football-wise, you have to put qualifiers on the greatest accomplishments in modern history, like the Sugar Bowl. The Sugar Bowl, for everyone, was great. It's the Ole Miss Bowl of the 70s, the Boomers and the Millennials coming together for this great moment. But that also came at the expense of losing to Memphis, <laughs> getting beat like a drum at Florida, and then fourth and 25. That team, quite frankly, should have been in the college football playoff. Yep. So the Sugar Bowl, for as great as it was, it still wasn't what it should have been. 
And that's going to sound blasphemous, but it's true. It wasn't as good as it should have been. I love the people that use the Sugar Bowl as their greatest argument for why Hugh Freeze should be given another chance if later on down the line he's gone on his whole redemptive journey. Bring him back! He took Ole Miss to the Sugar Bowl! (laughs) Well, just as if you give him credit for all the good things, it's like that with every coach. You could do it with Kermit Davis this year, too. With every coach, the good and the bad, they have to come together. So if Hugh Freeze took you to the Sugar Bowl, and he deserves all the credit for that, who gets the blame for Memphis for running Robert Kim Dietschy on offense and getting him a concussion? Who deserves that? Yeah, that was Freeze, too. Um, I tell you what, you want to know the most anti-we-are Ole Miss moment in football? I think this is it. I think the night they went out to College Station the week after they had beaten Alabama and just beat A&M to a pulp because it would have been so Ole Miss to just ruin all the momentum you had and get popped by A&M that night. That's a really good moment. Because a very much we are Ole Miss moment was losing at South Carolina. I was there. <laughs> yes. Or another we are Ole Miss moment in modern football history for Ole Miss. 2009, the Egg Bowl, you're going to the Cap One Bowl. Oof. Oof. Everyone that listens to this podcast with any regularity knows Kendra Lockett will never hear the end of that from me. <laughs> Ever. But Eli Manning, easily one of the greatest Ole Miss Rebels of all time, has retired. Now the question becomes from an Ole Miss angle. Where does he rank? among the all-time greats. If I asked you to name me the top five Ole Miss football Rebels in history. Ooh, man, that's going to be tough for me. Uh, Eli's one. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It is what it is. I, I didn't grow up watching Archie play, so I'm, I'm obviously a little bit biased. But uh, Eli's one for me. I'll put Archie two. Deuce, I think, comes in there at three. And then it's like Patrick Willis, and, and I'm trying to think who would qualify for the fifth. Here's God, my AJ deal. Brown. Here's my deal. You can't go strictly based on statistics. Otherwise, every offensive lineman gets eliminated from the conversation. Sure. Number oh, one is yeah. Laramie. Number two is Patrick Willis. Number three is Eli. Number four is AJ Brown. Number five is Archie. Now, six would be Deuce. Seven would be Swag. Eight would be Laquan. Okay. I'm fine with that. I'm mixing both going- talent and production. But see, with okay. offensive linemen, there isn't a number or numbers in which to gauge them performance-wise. Yeah, and, and if we're going – and I'm glad you mentioned production because if we're going just talent, that cat up there wearing 14 for Seattle probably needs to be on there somewhere too. Sure. So I'm mixing talent and production, and I'm giving credit to an offensive lineman who gave up, what, one sack over his career? One sack. <laughs> and absolutely one sack. dominated Miles Garrett. Laramie Tunsil is the greatest Ole Miss Rebel – in football history. I want to know your top five, but everyone saw this. I think I tweeted that out in like December. Where's Bo Wallace? Where's Evan Ingram? Where's Dexter McCluster? Dexter McCluster certainly has a case for the top eight. Maybe you replace Laquan with Dex. Yeah. And you know, it's tough. You you mentioned Bo there because I don't think if we're we're gauging it from a talent and production standpoint, um, you know, that, that Bo's probably in the top 10, but if, we're gauging it from most important people in your history because here's the thing. The Chad Kelly doesn't happen with Bo Wa- without Bo Wallace. Laquan yes. Treadwell doesn't happen without Bo Wallace. Robert you know? Kendici, Tony Connor. Tunzel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are yeah. more than just talent and production thrown into this. But sure. when you want to start weighing every single factor, you can make a case for certain guys being in different spots. But that's my eight outside of Dex who could replace Laquan. I'll give you that. But Eli, in this conversation, belongs no lower than fifth. No love. No, God, no. He's just one for me. And but, I know uh, the old school guys will say Archie, 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 and I get that. 
but it was a different time. The talent is different. And what Eli did, easily yes. top five for me, will never be removed from the top three. But that's recency bias for me, too. That was through my formative years. Chad Kelly, as much as I say he's the greatest Ole Miss quarterback ever, I won't rank him ahead of Eli. I won't do it. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's fun. So, damn it, argue. I could have my cake and eat it, too. Yeah, absolutely. I've never liked that expression. If I have cake, why can't I eat it? But, yeah. You know, that's not a story for another day. So, you know, the thing with Archie is, like we mentioned with Eli, is he takes this team that's not very good. I mean, Archie's team was winning national championships before and after him, right? Like, you know, I mean, the, the team around Archie, didn't one year that team give up like six points? And I'm not sure my guy played much defense. It's hard to talk about talent back then and, and you know, gauge it because we don't have much to go on. But uh, numerically, the, the guys surrounded with Archie seem to be pretty good, too. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Had a couple of new reviews roll in. Colin got a shout out. I got I another shout out. Got called an asshole. I love that. I did. I thought it was great. <laughs> Say whatever you want as long as it's five stars. Taking that to heart is beautiful. I love that. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Going to go now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Sean Rollins, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. But before we do, let's hear from Modern Woodman and BNA Bank. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is former Ole Miss offensive lineman Sean Rollins. Sean's out on the East Coast now, but hasn't been on this podcast since August. And a lot has happened in Ole Miss football since August. Sean, what's up, man? What's going on, Mr. Garrett? How you doing? I'm good, man. So what do you think about all this movement with Ole Miss football? Uh, it's pretty crazy, uh, especially kind of uh, the trigger that made it all happen. Uh, going back to the Egg Bowl, good Lord, the, the end of that game. I mean, it just a uh, trickle down happened after that, and uh, 
that was tough to watch though. We well, yeah, I haven't spoken to you since then, but oh. Matt Luke is gone, hired at George as the offensive line coach. Lane Kiffin has taken his place at Ole Miss. You played at Ole Miss for four years. You know all about Ole Miss. You uh, keep tabs on Ole Miss, grow up an Ole Miss guy. What are your thoughts on Lane Kiffin and also Matt Luke moving on to Georgia? So super excited for Coach Luke. I think that's a, uh, a, a great gig for him. And, you know, he, him going into a new role, it doesn't take him long to, to earn those guys' respect. Um, so I know he'll do a great job there and he's got a, got a good O-line to work with. Excited for him. Excited about Ole Miss too. Um, you know, obviously hate to see coach Luke but you know, part of the business, it it is what it is. Um, and it's, it's cool to see, you know, all the excitement with the, with the fan base, um, you know, over the Lane Kiffin hires, just kind of this, this re re re-energized feeling. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's exciting to see, you know, some excitement around around Ole Miss football again. You know, I, I know my last couple of years there there wasn't a whole lot, unfortunately. We had some tough breaks, but um, but it, it is exciting to see, and I'm I'm hoping we do really well in the future. I've talked about this before. The situation had become untenable um, with Matt Luke because not just the losing, but I think culturally. Ole Miss fans were worn down from the NCAA stuff and then the losing, and then they wanted a complete reset. It just wasn't going to work. So Lane Kiffin was probably the only hire they could have made. Gets everybody fired up, brings immediate national credibility. But I wonder from a player's perspective what that's like. You mentioned it, some tough times in your last two years. You guys feel that from the fans, right, when they're upset, um, maybe when they're not as engaged. Y'all know that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of a, uh, I mean, if you go to a game in 2015 and you compare it to a game from 2017, 2018, completely different. It's almost like this, um, grudgy almost, you know, after the, the whole NCAA investigation and, um, you know, it was kind of dark times in that period. And, you know, not a whole lot of excitement, which was sad to see because, you know, I experienced the, the highest highest peak of in a long time in all my football and then just to see it kind of spiral down a little bit um it was tough especially from an emotional standpoint but it is what it is unfortunately um but it, it is that you know that that's the most exciting thing about the link given higher is the re-energized um feeling of the fan base so i'm, I'm about it how do players deal with self-motivation when you're not feeling that engagement from fans? And it's not y'all's fault. It's not the fans' fault. It's just overall culturally, from administration on down, some stuff happens, and he gets to that point. So from a player's perspective, I know y'all don't blame the fans. So how do you self-motivate? Yeah. How do you kind of come to grips with what the reality is and keep pushing forward? Yeah, I mean, it all depends on who you are, um, who you are as a person and, and what kind of gets you going, what you're, you know, sounds corny but what's your why and and your purpose um you know with what what brought you to Ole Miss football in the first place um so that was always you know I probably said this a thousand times but that was always uh, my dream play for Ole Miss so I you know self-motivation wasn't wasn't an issue at all and then in the O-liner and got a bunch of old guys um, when I was there a bunch of mature guys that they don't you know, it always helps whenever fans, 
to have the place energized and you got somebody kind of almost behind your back, um, giving you, you know, an advantage, but from a self-motivation point, you kind of get past that point to where it's almost like a uh, business approach. And, you know, younger guys probably struggle with that a little bit more when they come in and, and, you know, they, they, they see the fan base, not as, um, live as they anticipated. Um, so it's more tough for those guys, but, you know, guys that know their why and know the purpose and it's not for the attention, it's a lot easier for them. So we had a lot more of that when I was there. Um, so it made it a little, a little easier to deal with. I've said this to Jordan, to AJ, to DK. I think I've said this to you too, but y'all are already a widely appreciated group. But I think as years go by, the appreciation that Ole Miss fans have for y'all's group, the ones that stayed through the mess, will grow even more. I feel like y'all's legacies are going to be among the greatest in Ole Miss history because of that. And I know that y'all had a sense of that when y'all were staying, what y'all were staying for and what the feeling was towards you guys. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, just a really good group of guys um, all the way around. Like I said, it's a bunch of mature guys. Um, you know, older guys and they knew, they knew why they were there and, and, uh, you know, they, they were committed to doing all that they could to keep Ole Miss football afloat and, um, and kind of get it going uphill. So, um, you know, a a bunch of guys just bought in and that's the biggest thing to it. And I think that speaks a lot for their character and, and the guys and, characters that um you know coach luke and you know, recruited and, and coach freeze as well um so it's kind of a testament to their recruiting skills as well so you know just a bunch of tough guys too and that was one of the biggest things about it you played in the sugar bowl those last two years they were tough so what was the high point y'all didn't get to experience a bowl game what got the closest to that feeling though was it the kentucky win what was it Oh, it's got to be the Egg Bowl. Yeah. Um, that that Egg Bowl was – because it was just so much adversity through that season. And, you know, you have you have games after that you're like, well, I mean, what what could we have done differently and, and how could we have changed the outcome to this? And um, that was a tough year. And to, to finish it the way we did, beating Kentucky at Kentucky and then going on to win the Egg Bowl, um, same thing I was just saying, that was a testament to a lot of those guys' character. And, um, you know, it, it just showed that, that we were some tough guys and we were able to overcome, you know, stuff like that and, and, uh, finish strong. So that was, that was probably the most self-fulfilling thing, um, win or, or experience. It's up there with, with, uh, the other stuff from the past two years before that, you know, the sugar bowl and all that, but I, I won't put it above that. That that was a pretty special moment. Okay. So who are you least surprised about their NFL success, AJ Brown or DK Metcalf? Least surprised. Yes. Hmm. Least surprised with DK. Oh, really? Man, yeah. I almost went to battle like 10 times on Twitter. Just that, that dude gets roasted. <laughs> I mean, it's like at every turn, he, he just got trolls all over his back. So I, I told him one day, I was like, dude, I, I'm just going to start going after people, uh, on Twitter. 
because they're always bringing up this three cone drill and and you know stuff like that pisses me off uh so i I was super happy to to watch him just go kill it this year um but i mean it's hard to say dk because it's like uh, we knew we knew uh aj was going to be successful um and seeing him kind of do the same things he did at Ole Miss, all that yak, um, that was a lot of fun. So I'm I'm so happy for those guys because they, they both just killed it this year. Jordan Tiamu has gone to the XFL starting quarterback for St. Louis. It's cool to see him land too. I know you have a lot of positive things to say about Jordan, what he accomplished, but also who he is as a person. Yeah, great dude. He's uh, <laughs> kind of more mild-mannered. Not, he, was, he was a little bit uh, – a little bit different than the quarterback we had before, you know, all swag. Um, and Shay, he was, Jordan was a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say grounded, but I guess that's the best way to describe it. He was a really humble guy, you know, kept to himself for the most part, but, you know, knew when to push guys. And I liked his leadership style. He was a good dude. He is a good dude. All right, put the debate to rest. Had Shea stayed, Jordan still the starter or not? It would just be a battle in camp, I, I feel like, because you got to look what, uh, I mean, Jordan did at the end of the year. I don't know, man. <laughs> after after seeing what Jordan did at the end of the year, it would be tough not to put him in, at least for the beginning of the season. But I think it would just kind of be one of those camp battles. Uh, like the notorious camp battle whenever Jack Kelly came in, him and Ryan Buchanan and and whoever else was the quarterback at the time. Devontae Kincaid. But that wasn't even a battle. Chad Kelly was going to be the starting quarterback. I bring up the battle between Jordan and Shea because Jordan had won over the team at that point, completely won y'all over. Yeah, that was a joke about the last QB battle. (laughs) But (laughs) uh, Donner... Yeah, he did. He did, man. The, the way he came in, seeing how, you know, how poised he was in those big games. And to us, I don't mean to sound like a, uh, I don't mean to sound mean or anything, but, you know, I, he, um, we kind of saw him as more of just like a backup quarterback a little bit. Um, but once he got in, you see him just take over against Arkansas and, and all the while, humble about it, poised, and you know, ready to go score again whenever he stepped stepped out for the next drive. So it was really cool to see, and it did earn a lot of trust from from his teammates. So I, I agree with you on that. I, I think it would be really tough not to put Jordan Jordan back out there. All right, you look at the offensive line this year, a full year of evaluation. I haven't talked to you since August. How would you assess their performance? And then the guys returning, you don't have Alex Givens, but pretty much everybody else. What is your assessment yeah. of the offensive line? Man, I was proud of them. They, uh, I, I will say they defied my expectations. And seeing, you know, I, th- I think we may have talked at the beginning of the year about Broker. Um, but I'm excited about his future. He He's going to be a... Uh, He's going to be a nasty, big nasty for for a long time. Um, so I was excited to see him kind of grow into that left tackle spot. I thought Alex 
you know, just battled the whole year. He just such a tough dude. Um, and you know, that he's a, he's motivation for a lot of the younger guys because they see him battling off, you know, through these injuries and, and playing a start out every week and just pancaking guys left and right. Um, so it was fun to see. And then I thought Eli did well at center. Royce got some really good experience under his belt. And, um, you know, so it was, it was, uh, it was exciting to see them, you know, kind of defy everybody's expectations. So, and now with that experience going into this next year with the new coach, that's, that's going to help big time. I'm glad you brought up Nick Broker. You redshirted as a freshman and then got thrown into the fire as a redshirt freshman. For him, what was the yeah, challenge? Yeah, true freshman. Yeah, as a true freshman, what was the challenge for him to get thrown in there? And how big of a jump then, because you experienced it, is it from year one to year two for an offensive lineman? Oh, it's huge. It's it's development on on every single front. Um, you know, not just you got to pass the the mental obstacles of high school football because you're just not as educated about the game and you're not able to recognize stuff. Speed of the game, you're not able to recognize stuff as quick as you would like or as quick as older guys would, more experienced guys. And then, you know, strength is obviously a a huge factor in that coming out of high school. So development on all fronts is, is really tough to see him do it as a true freshman. Um, was really impressive. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine doing that my freshman year at, at all. I was, man, I came in and I was one of those guys that, you know, just had to work every single day my my redshirt year, you know, thinking about the next year, getting my body developed and my mind developed to where I would have a chance my redshirt freshman year. And then, Obviously, unfortunate circumstances I kind of benefited from. Um, but, man, I, I thought he did a good job, and, and that will make you grow up quick. So uh, I think that is a tremendous upside for the room, having him get all that experience pretty early. We'll get right back to Sean Rawlings, former Ole Miss offensive lineman on the Modern Women phone line, after this brief word from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. What's your New Year's resolution? Maybe it's to finally get in shape, learn a new language, an instrument. Here's one for you. How about a new car? Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. It's a little different as it was for your teams. You went from Hugh Freeze to Matt Luke, so familiar voices when y'all went into spring football with a new head coach. But for this group, brand new staff except for Derek Nix, new head coach, new voice, what is it going to be like for them? What are the players going to be going through that transition? Yeah, um, you know, it was a little different for me with, with Coach Luke taking over. But, you know, we had a new O-line coach and, and Coach Big. The biggest factor of it is you, you got to have guys be mature about it. 
and you got to kind of take a step back and, and realize that it, you know, it, it is a business. Um, so it's, it's all about how guys approach it and they should approach it as such. And, you know, just attack each day. And, and, you know, the O-line room, they've got a great guy coming in from what I've heard. So it'll take no time for him to earn their respect. Um, so it's all about guys' mindsets and you just have to be mature and, 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 you know, be a realist. It, It is what it is. And they've got a good staff coming in. So, you know, on to next year. Randy Clemens is the new offensive line coach. Unlike other positions, wide receiver, running back, quarterback, universally offensive line verbiage is pretty much the same no matter who the guy is, right? Yeah, pretty much. And depending on, well, for the most part, yeah. So even if you do make, you know, alter it a little bit, um, it's not going to vary that much. It's still, you're still doing the same thing. You're just going to use different, maybe different um, tag names. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, all, all the verbiage is going to remain the same. That'll be a similar scheme to what we've we've run, um, I assume, just based off of what Wayne Kiffin does and, and Levy. Um, so I, I mean, those guys won't have too tough of a transition. So, and, and from what I hear, he's he's a great coach. Yeah, what have you heard about Lane Kiffin, Randy Clements, from guys in the room um, that are being introduced to them and the way they do things for the first time? What have you heard? Yeah, so. You know, I, I uh, probably Royce and some of the other O-linemen are probably guys that I kind of stay in touch with. And it, it, they talk about it's just kind of a new a new air to the to the atmosphere in there. And they had their, I think, their first run this morning. And, um, you know, it's just, it's almost like the notch has turned up a little bit. So, you know, the same thing that the fans are experiencing – I think the players are experiencing a little bit too. It's kind of this re-energized feeling and um, they're excited about it. They're excited about it. So uh, I'm sure they're ready for spring ball to kind of actually get into the scheme of things. So, What constitutes a success for Ole Miss football in 2020? Is it just a bowl game? Mm, I don't know. I think that all those complaints that fans and spectators had about stuff that on the field that was you know not up to par I think that they want to see a change in that I think that special teams was one of the big biggest things from a fan perspective um I think that people are just going to be looking for stuff like that to change and um you know if it if it turns into a bowl game that's a success but if it's Maybe if it's five and seven, but on-field improvement is is visual, uh, visible, and then so be it. You know, it it just kind of depends. I guess it depends on who you ask. But for me, one of the biggest things I've got to say is special teams. Just seeing seeing improvement on that front. Um, but it'll be exciting to see. And then you got to see guys step up, obviously, to win in the game. Um, so maybe we go to a bowl game, but you know, I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be hoping for that. That's for sure. You predicted a bowl game going into last year, dude. I know, man. Don't, yeah. Don't ask me for my prediction. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I, 
I'm not going to predict this year. I just hope that uh, I hope we do well, and I hope that improvement we can see some improvement. And uh, you know, I hope that the fans are are happy with this hire too, and I hope that it pays off. So time will tell. Who's the starting quarterback? I got to go with my guy Maddie. Yeah, that is a tough question. I think with that offense that's coming in, I think it's hard not to put Matt out there initially. Um, I think you can do so many things with Plumley, and you saw a little bit of that last year. Um, but I hope they kind of incorporate some more of that, just kind of putting him in a flex position or, or something. Um, but it kind of—I don't know—it depends on what you're looking for. I think Matt throws the ball better. But I think John Rice is special special talent, so um, we'll see. That'll be an interesting interesting thing to watch this spring. But I guess uh, Plumlee is doing baseball, isn't he? So is he not even doing the spring? They're going to work it out, reassess when they open it after uh, spring break, because Lane Kiffin isn't going to do the whole thing where they start spring ball, break for spring break, come back and finish it. He's just going to start it after spring break. So they'll reassess that situation and see what roles they're playing for baseball and how they balance it and stuff. But here's my deal with John Rice. If he's not your quarterback, he's going to be on the field. It doesn't matter. Because at worst, to me, he's Percy Harvin. Yeah, I agree. Just, I mean, he's your multi-purpose man. Just throw him anywhere. Um, you know, put him behind the quarterback, put him in a flex, in the, in the slot. You, you, I mean, it's hard. That was one of the things that killed me, is just not utilizing him correctly last year i feel like that i don't know whenever you have matt in the game throw the man in the slot do some more it it was cool to see him against lsu and and the things they did against lsu i thought that was a great game plan uh they did a lot of those um qb powers they were killing with it that's how you utilize a guy like john rice so no i think that's the most salient point Coaches utilize the best offensive weapons they have. Doesn't matter what they are, you get them on the field. And Matt Corral Agreed. and John Rice and Jerion were the most dynamic offensive players Ole Miss had. And yet, one would come off the field seemingly every down because if they were going to throw, they were putting Matt Corral in. If they're going to run and maybe throw, yeah. it's John Rice Plumley. The best coaches, and this is not a knock on Rich Rod, but you could tell that he was shoehorned into a system that was his and he's run it for 20 years. And he didn't want to bring John Rice Plumley in in any respect outside of playing quarterback. And that did a disservice not only to John Rice, but to Matt Corral too. Because neither of those guys developed yeah. at the rate that they otherwise would have had just stuck with one or, at the very least, used John Rice in any way possible to get the ball in his hands. I agree. That was one of the things that would drive me crazy is whenever watching that, just everything, everything seems so programmed. Like it was either you're going with him, you're either going with Matt or you're going with John Rice. There's no, there's no variation to it. I, I mean, I would love, love to see some more. Exactly what you were just saying. Have both guys out on the field. Why not? Just because one has the, the position quarterback next to his name, you can't throw him out in the slot. It'd be cool to see. Well, you do have Ely. But I was going to say, it would be cool to see Plumlee like return punch or something. I'm saying. Um, but that's when you're kind of like, all right, he is a quarterback, so we can't get him killed. The thing I used to yell about the most, Jerion Ely is a multidimensional running back. 
Ole Miss should have been one of the best screen teams in college football, and yet they only gave him the ball as a handoff in the backfield. He was never incorporated into the passing game. And I'm thinking, my God, you've got Alvin Kamara over here. It was frustrating, man. So I feel you. And what happened to Scotty? Did he just kind of have a lingering injury? Or I just think he was a bad fit for that he, offense. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, that's a special dude, too. Watching him play like in front of your own two eyes, just watching him cut, that guy can play, man. So I hope he had, I hope he's successful at the next level. I hope he gets a chance from somebody. So he's Sean Rollins, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. What are you doing now? I am doing medical device sales. I am out in Moorhead City, North Carolina. So kind of out, out towards the East Coast, literally the farthest point East Coast, and planning on being in, in Charlotte in about six months. So doing some training out here and then hopefully relocating. So, For you Charlotte Rebels out there, buy this man a beer. I will take a couple of beers. <laughs> so if you see me in Charlotte, buy me some beers. Hook him up. He's Sean <laughs> Rawlings, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk again. All right, Ben. Appreciate it, man. That was former Ole Miss offensive lineman Sean Rawlings. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. And the guest co-host chair is Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I'm right for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Going to get right back to Colin, but first, let me tell you about the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and Cheney's Pharmacy. A new year always brings about change. For you or someone close to you, that change could be finally finding a dream home. Enter the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, an innovative new development from John Welty Realty. Located just up north Lamar, blocks from the Oxford Square, the Lamar offers 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses. Only a few steps from your front door, a grocery store, brewery, shops, and other amenities. Build out on these modern open concept homes is happening, so get in now. Call them today at 662-816-2782. You can also reach out via email, Hello at the LamarMS.com. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. A new year has arrived. 2020 is here, and it's time to assess whether you're using the pharmacy that best fits your needs. For you, the Ole Miss fan, the only place to go is Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. You can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. All right, Colin, before we get out of here, I'd be remiss. If I didn't talk a little Ole Miss basketball, we could talk about the recruiting weekend coming up, but we don't know the true visitor list yet. It's not going to come out till later today, maybe early Friday morning. Now, if you want to know some recent news, I get the feeling that this Zach Evans to Ole Miss thing is going to happen. We'll see. Don't hold me to it. That's just the vibe I'm getting right now. I don't cover recruiting. Maybe I'll have David Johnson back on next week. We'll see. But that's the vibe I'm getting. I wanted to touch on briefly Ole Miss basketball. 0 for 5 in the SEC for the first time since 1999-2000. And there's a debate going on. I saw it on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. How much blame does Kermit Davis deserve for this season? Well, Kermit has been very accountable throughout this whole mess. He's come out and said, this is my responsibility. 
We'll get it fixed. Work, work, work. Recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. But when you think about Kermit and where this program is, where do you lie in this conversation? Where do you sit? You know, it's it's tough because, you know, he goes to the tournament last year with a team that I don't think me nor you thought was going to be very good. Um, so realistically, everybody gets their expectations up, and maybe it's a tougher rebuild than, you know, than we believed after last year. But, I, you know, I, I hate to – I hate to you know beat beat a guy when he's down, but I, I do think there is some fault and, and some blame to be laid at Kermit. And I'm not saying that you know he's not accepting that. I'm not at all. He, he's been extremely accountable. But you look at this roster, um, there's some guys that I don't exactly think are Power Five or maybe even Division One basketball players right now. Um, you know, you certainly don't blame Devontae Shuler on him. I don't really blame um, Blake Henson on him. You know, I don't think Blake's playing particularly well, but, you know, he has the tough offseason and uh, comes in and has to get into basketball shape. And, I, you know, those two guys, I don't necessarily put at the feet of him, but uh, K.J. Buffin has not improved um, in my eyes. You may disagree with me there. I don't think um, Hadim C. has made the impact that they were hoping he would make, which maybe the impact he, they were hoping he would make was unfair to him uh, coming in from JUCO. But, it just kind of feels like the guys they brought in to make impacts. Um, it doesn't feel like any of them have lived up to the billing. And I don't think it'd be completely uh, appropriate to not, you know, put a little bit of blame on them uh, from an evaluation standpoint. And I think if you ask them and put truths here a minute, they, they would flat out tell you that they misevaluated some guys. I would agree with that. I'm not arguing one way or the other, but all of these things I'm about to say are true. First and foremost, no one could have predicted that Devontae Shuler would forget how to play offense, that Blake Kinson and K.J. Buffin both would take a step back, that all of those players they signed, Austin Crowley, Sammy Hunter, Hadim C., whoever you want to pick, none would be impacting, in a real meaningful way, Power 5 games at this point. No one would have predicted that. No one would have predicted losing Luis Rodriguez for the year. And no one would have predicted that two ball-dominant guards without Terrence Davis would forget what spacing is. It's easy to identify what the offensive issue is. Devontae Shuler needs space. Terrence Davis created that. A true 3 and D player, but he also created for himself and for others. He could drive, he could kick. What's the one thing, even when he was playing well and shooting well from three, all that, that he was still getting criticized for? I'm talking about Devontae Shuler. Not getting enough assists. Not getting his teammates involved enough. Brian Tyree's always struggled with that too. Making his teammates better. It's no surprise then that two ball-dominant guards have found it difficult to coexist together without that organic spacer at the three in Terrence Davis. But there is something to missed evaluation because I think the player and caliber of player Kermit Davis was used to recruiting for 16 seasons at Middle Tennessee State, he's having to readjust and recalibrate. What will work here? K.J. Buffin, you're right, does not look right. He doesn't look like he's getting any better. He's getting worse. But I still believe Sammy Hunter needs time. Sammy Hunter got and enrolled at Ole Miss late. Austin Crowley was up to 191 pounds, got the flu in December, lost 20 pounds, and he was already dealing with a lack of physicality about his game. Nadim C., you've played at this level before. Bryce Williams, you're Juco. But it's also true that they have four upperclassmen, Brienne, Devontae, Bryce, and Hadim. Two are newcomers. The rest, freshmen and sophomores. In college basketball, in the modern era of college basketball, never has it been more important to have veterans throughout your roster because Ole Miss, like most every program not named Duke and Kentucky in North Carolina, is not going to be signing for the top 10, 15 players in college basketball recruiting. 
You're not going to bring in the one and dones. That's not who you are. Kennedy Chandler, if he came to Ole Miss, is not a one and done, most likely. I stood beside him. I've watched him play. He's a dynamic player, instant impact player. Not a one and done. Ole Miss isn't going to live in that recruiting territory. So it's going to take development. And when the rest of your roster, the meaningful players on your roster, are underclassmen, they're going to be growing pains. But still, 0 for 5 in the SEC. And it could snowball. But remember, it took four years, and I'm not comparing him to Mike Krzyzewski at all, but it took four (laughs) years for Coach K to turn Duke into Duke. It took four years for Bruce Pearl to turn Auburn into Auburn now. They were ready to fire Bruce Pearl in year four. And then Bruce Pearl turned him around with his guys, veteran guys, and supplemented the roster with transfers, some high-caliber recruits that he signed to complement that core. There was always going to be a year of adjustment. No one thought it'd be this year. I freely admit I was wrong, but everybody was wrong on this team. Everybody. No one saw this coming. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And no one would have expected that losing Luis Rodriguez would be so detrimental. But the fact that Ole Miss has not been able to develop a third scoring option is concerning. And the fact that a Sammy Hunter, who was expected to be an immediate impact guy, hasn't done anything or shown any flashes that he can be that guy is concerning. So I think recalibrating evaluations and recruiting is something that Kermit Davis is going through right now. How much blame? I don't know. I don't know, because I still think it's way too early. For all of you out there that wanted to move on from Andy Kennedy, and I think we can all fairly say that the vast majority of you wanted to move on from Andy Kennedy. When that happens and you bring in a new coach, last year, Kermit Davis taking that team to the NCAA tournament, that was a success. But there's going to be a transition as far as culturally and the roster makeup and what the team is going to look like, all of those things. This team is still, and this program is still, not all the way Kermit Davis is yet. So you can't judge it on that. Blame Kermit Davis for some missed evaluations. And like Colin said, if you made him answer the question, he'd say it too. When has Kermit Davis ever minced words? Yeah. But there's still a lot of time to go before you can start judging or being concerned about what is this program going to be moving forward? Will they get better next year? This year is a wash. It's done. It's over. Start judging it midway year three, year four. It's tough to be in Kermit Davis's position only because going to the tournament last year set up some expectations. That's when it gets really, really dangerous. But were, there, were those expectations well-earned? Probably not. They're 2-14 and 14 in their last 16 games against top 100 opponents. Oof. Let's not forget... Last year, they limped to the finish line in the regular season, were one and done in the SEC tournament, and lost by 23 points to Oklahoma. This isn't new. There have been some struggles. It's on Kermit Davis to fix it. I understand it. But I think some are putting the cart before the horse, ready to play the blame game. Most programs in year one of a coaching change are disaster. Rick Ray, Bruce Pearl, Whoever you want to look at across the board, it's usually a disaster. In any rebuild, people say, well, it wasn't really a rebuild. Andy Kennedy was competitive every single year. Andy Kennedy overturned the roster every single year. Yes, he did. I text messaged with AK a week ago. He feels for Kerm right now. He really does. Because it's just the expectations you create and the belief that Ole Miss can be the one program that continues on without a hitch is foolish. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, you know, we talked about Kermit making the NCAA tournament last year and raising expectations. I tell you what, I, I'm, I'm thankful he did because I think he's a really good basketball coach. I think he's going to do good things at Ole Miss. 
But man, if he doesn't make the tournament last year and he throws up a six and 12, which would have been completely acceptable uh, for at the beginning of the year and how we viewed that team. And then they have this year. I think we're having a completely different conversation from a fan standpoint. Probably so. But even that is unfair. This is what you. Oh, want. I didn't say it was fair. I'm you want a. Com- oh, I understand. I understand. But you want a complete reset. This is what it looks like. Usually now still yep. no one is making excuses because even I would tell you straight up. No way. Would they start 0-5 in the SEC? No way. Not this team. No. I was wrong. I have no problem admitting I was wrong about anything. And I was wrong about that team. But Rob Evans, who is responsible for taking Ole Miss to the Sweet 16, the greatest accomplishment in Ole Miss basketball history. In his third season at Ole Miss, Ole Miss was 8-19 and 3-13 in the SEC. Every coach as they're building a program, is going to go through this. The disappointment and the concern is that no one saw this coming, this team being the team that did that. No one saw Sammy Hunter being a complete non-factor. No one saw Austin Crowley being a complete non-factor. No one saw it. How, you know, we we keep talking about Sammy, and it's completely fair. He wasn't here for the summer. Um, At at what point, though, do – and we might be there now. At what point is it – you know, a legitimate concern that he may not be able to play at this level next year, next year, period. He's going to be back. Yeah. There are no assurances on this roster for pretty much anybody outside of, I think Sammy's coming back. Austin Crowley's for sure. Coming back. Sean Robinson, obviously Jarkel Joyner. I'd be shocked if anything happened to Blake. He loves Blake. And you've seen it in flashes from Blake. Blake is a stubborn, stubborn player. And that can be frustrating, but the effort and the willingness is always there. K.J. Buffin, I would be shocked if he's not back. Because you saw it in spurts with K.J. last year, and you've seen it a little bit this year. Confidence is a tricky, tricky bitch. Just as easily as she can give you everything you want, she can turn on you. And I know you're going to immediately go, what about Devontae? Mm-hmm. Devontae's been wanting to leave for two years. That's up in the air. Coin flip it. There might be a mutual parting of ways for all I know. He's shooting, what, 62% from the free throw line? It's bad, man. It's real bad. Brian Tyree is doing everything he can to win an SEC game. Everything. But holy cow, you wonder why they're taking contested threes? Because I bet you at this point, Brian and Devontae think, if we don't score, ain't nobody scoring. Yeah, I was watching last night, and you could tell. You could just look at Brian's body language. And I, I made myself do this. Brian was pretty good last night in, on defense, um, played with good effort. You can tell on the offensive end that he's taking shots that he does not want to take, but by God, someone's got to put the ball in the hole. Right. And uh, he's the only one that can do it right now. There's only so many times you can watch if you're Brian Tyree feeding the ball inside and missing a bunny or the yeah. air balls, open shots, just missing them. That's not on Kermit Davis. It's not on Kermit Davis against LSU in a one-point game tie game, out of a timeout, cause a play designed for Brian Tyree. They get exactly what they want. Brian is wide open. He's going to score. And the ball that was supposed to move out of the hands of Austin Crowley gets stuck, and he takes a shot and he misses. That's not on Kermit Davis. There's plenty of blame to go around, and Kermit deserves some too. He'll admit it. He's a grown man. I don't have to defend this dude. I'm not defending this dude. I have no place in this argument. But you have to factor in a number of different things when you think about this. You're right. Andy Kennedy, say for two years, the year that everybody pretty much tore their ACL. (laughs) And his last year was always competitive. Sure, 
But he got in the habit of overturning his roster every single year. And the roster that Kermit Davis inherited, he lost Terrence Davis. He lost Bruce Stevens. He lost Dominic Olenicek to transfer. And I think Dominic could use some of that physical nature about him. He couldn't score, but dang it, when you ran into him, he hurt. (laughs) (laughs) But D.C. Davis experienced, but he was a walk-on. Complete walk-on. He only came here because Raheem was an assistant. That roster was going to have to be overturned. So everyone going, oh, wait a second. Everybody but two of these guys are Kerm's guys. Well, yeah, that's true. But what holdovers could he have really had? Dom? Are we really quibbling over Dom? If I'd have told you before the season, you could have Dominic Olenicek or Hadim C. And I pulled 100 Ole Miss fans. At least 90, if not 100, would have picked Hadim C. And they'd have just picked him because his name wasn't Dom. Exactly. So just pop the brakes. It's going to suck. It's going to be tough to watch. Don't watch it. Check out. Yeah. But yeah, this time next go. year, if they're limping around again, certainly in year four, he's getting at least four years to show you what his program is. Last year was not a good indicator of what his team is going to be, just like this team isn't a good indicator of what his program and his team is going to be. Just wait. Wait until Blake Henson and KJ Buffin are juniors. Wait until Matthew Morrell shows up. He brought in Jarkel Joyner. He's redshirting Sean Robinson. This roster's going to look different. He's going to go add a grad transfer or two. I can pretty much bet you he's going to add at least two, probably three. And I'm not going to get in the business of just naming off the guys that could get run off, but just keep that number in mind. They have no scholarships. If they sign two, got to open up two. If they sign three, got to open up three. Roster's going to look different. Yeah, I think he's going to be recruiting over almost everybody on his roster, but that's just not how it works. Blake's going to be a junior. KJ's going to be a junior. Hadim would be a senior. Full year in the program. It could look different. Interjecting that with a Matthew Morrell who's a space creator and a ball driver. Just wait. Hold off. I know it's frustrating. I know it sucks. Just hold off. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at SpiritBit on Twitter. Before we get out of here, Colin Brister at Colin Brister on Twitter. What's the one thing you're most paying attention to in Ole Miss sports this weekend? Man, Ole Miss starts intersquad this, uh, yeah, intersquads this weekend. So, you know, I'm the baseball guy. So uh, I'm going to go to one of those. I mean, basketball right now is not doing much for me. I guess if you're a recruiting guy, uh, I tend to like baseball more than recruiting. So I'm going to watch some Ole Miss interest squads. Okay. Not really the Ole Miss guy when I'm the one out there writing all the stories, Colin. Where you been? Hey, look, I'm out. I mean, I'm going to be out there, man. Look, I started a new job. It's been tough, man. All right. All right. I've been out there. I was out there in the fall. Been out there this spring. I'll be out there this weekend. That's up there for me. I want to see who shows up on campus recruiting-wise. That's the yeah. one thing I'm most paying attention to. And to see if there's any movement with Zach Evans. Originally, he hoped to be a mid-year enrollee. Well, if that's the case, Ole Miss started classes on Tuesday. <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> the whole wanting to take more visits thing, eh. So that's what I'll be most watching for, Zach Evans, the recruiting angle. But baseball, it's up there. Three weeks until first pitch of game one of that season opening three game set against top-ranked Louisville. I'll be honest with you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me Man. too. The baseball season for a media person, and no one cares about this, but it's a grind. And usually the start of it, I'm like, oh, man. (laughs) Here we go. You got to get psyched up for it. This year, I'm ready to see them. There's something fun about a roster that has good experience, but some talented youth that are coming in and are going to supplement that roster. And unlike that class in 2016 that had to come in and all of them be good, these guys don't all have to be good, just a couple of them. And I'm eager to see which ones are going to be those guys to step up and be good. 
Yep, I'm with you. That's a really good way to put it. So yeah, it'll be an interesting three weeks uh, till baseball season. I'm excited to see them get out there this weekend. A lot of three to two, three to one games for Ole Miss this year. Well, you hope so. Yeah. You hope so. <laughs> that's the, that's that's the recipe. Good yeah. God. Yeah, that's the magical elixir to win for Ole Miss baseball this year. He's Colin Brister. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, it doesn't matter what you say, just make sure it's a five-star review. Also, you can check out Talk of Champions in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. All right, for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, the food of 247 Sports. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.